This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, let's talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy, and we have with us today Gertrude Gearshift, and Amber Lipscott, and Eve Goodwin, and Mrs. Carstairs, and Betty Rubble and Blanche Morton and Mrs. Atterbury, and Pearl Bodine. But maybe you all know her best as Kate Bradley, who runs the hotel at Petticoat Junction, <laughs> Miss B. Benaderet. Hello, Lucy. Hi, B. B is known affectionately to me as B. Benedetta. <laughs> B, girl, how, how come you never changed your name? Surely someone must have suggested it all oh, these years. Oh, Lucy, they sure did. That name's been the bane of my existence. But you know something? When I finally got a starring role in Petticoat Junction, I achieved the thrill of my life. The what was that? First morning I got there, I had a parking space. Your own parking space? <laughs> With my name on it. <laughs> Misspelled. Oh, B, you're kidding. No. Oh, not after all that. <laughs> B, Ben, da-da-da-da-da. Well, as you know, the old saying in show business, so long as they spell your name right, it just can't apply to you. No, it but can't. But so long as they mention your name, I guess As long as they misspell good, it, huh? I'm happy. You know, with your wonderful talent and ability to do so many different voices and characters, I don't understand how they ever got smart enough to settle on you for one character. You know, you do many things to my way of thinking, and you do them all so well. It's, it's, it's difficult to get typed. I know, Lucy. And, uh, do you agree? I do agree, yes. <clears throat> and uh, I will tell you one thing due to this, the fact that I have done so many of the different things. Uh, Kate was the biggest challenge I ever had because she's almost straight. More or less straight, yes. yes. And, and yet, you know, I love the comedy. So I'm just hammy enough to always try and invent something, you know, to yeah. get back to the old, the big shoes and the funny hats. But Kate is so wonderfully warm. I, you're never going to regret Kate, I can tell you that. Well, thank you. I remember when you were with me in radio, my favorite husband, you and Gail Gordon, and I just didn't think I could ever go on without B. Benaderet and Gail Gordon. And then, as you remember, I uh, was going to have a baby, and uh, waiting for the baby to arrive, I lost you. And I tell you, I cried, B. I couldn't believe that I had to go into television, a completely unknown medium for me, without B. Benaderet and without Gail Gordon. Isn't it miraculous the way things have worked out? Let's see, at that time you went with George and Gracie, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. Do you remember how I carried on when I found out that you'd had to sign yourself up for a few years? Yes, and I too wanted so much to go with you, you know but that. But there was a discrepancy of several months in there, and yes. I certainly couldn't blame you. You were very close to Gracie, weren't you? Yes, I was. She was a beautiful, lovely lady. She sure Wonderful was. lady. I and, understand uh, that... Uh, God made a special plea, and they needed someone very sweet inside and out, so that's why they called for Gracie when they did. Yes, and they couldn't find a better trooper either. No. As you work, Lucy, you know, and I'm so fully aware of how very hard you work, possibly harder than anyone, Gracie was somewhat the same way. Nothing, nothing was too hard for her. She was always the first one when the little horn blew. She was the first one on the set. She always knew her lines. She never complained, did she? Never complained for a minute, no. And I understand her lines were very difficult to learn because they were all so non sequitur. She never got a, yeah. never had a cue. <laughs> huh. If you said, "Are you going downtown today?" She said, "Oh, you like my new hairdo?" You know, mm -hmm. nothing let her into anything. Uh, something I guess a lot of people don't realize too is that Gracie was not only uh, one of the top comedians but a fine actress. 
a fine I'm sure fine they actress. don't recognize that no. fact because she wasn't uh, in anything that they perhaps could have seen. That's right. You know, I have a couple of questions to ask you. Where are you living now? Well, we're living in Calabasas at the Way moment. Way out there. Isn't that terrible? No, it's not terrible. It's I think beautiful. it's absolutely wonderful. And how long does it take you to get out there now? Well, let's see, it's 26 miles each way. Uh-huh. And uh, sometimes you can't make it the physically. The freeways help. Yeah, they do. If you like your heart and your throat, they do. Yes. <laughs> what is your uh, favorite about your ranch now? Well, basically, it was for a purpose. It was because my daughter loved horses, and, mm -hmm. and there we could live, and she could have her horse. The boat sailed for that. She's now in college. Yes. Where is she going to college? Down uh, Costa Mesa, Orange Coast. Oh, does she love it? She adores it. How many yes. years has she been there? Oh, she's just 17, Lucy. She just started. Yeah, just oh, started. Oh, that's great. The other one is out. The son, he's 24. He's mm -hmm. been out of school for What's two years. What's he going years. to do? He wants to be an actor, and I think he can be a good one. Good. Well, has he had experience? Well, of course, he was a drama major in college, and he has had some experience in college productions, and then he has worked on our show, Petticoat, and so it shouldn't be a total loss. He's also our dialogue coach. He's also very handsome. I saw yes, him the other day is. for the first time since he was about 10. Yes. I get asked this question all the time, B, about whether or not I encourage my children to be in the acting profession, and I uh, am going to ask you that. Have you encouraged them or encouraged him? No, um, I'm glad you asked me that question. <laughs> Actually, he went into college as a music major because he's quite good at music. He plays what does he play? Sax and clarinet and quite well. Oh, good. But about uh, in his sophomore year, he came to me and he said, Mom, I'm going to switch to a drama major. And uh, I must tell you, I was very surprised because it had never been discussed with us. Hmm. Never. Because I neither discouraged or encouraged. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel you have to that way. The only thing I said is that he had to go to college. That's all. Hmm, yes. That's the only mother talk. Yeah, but he has uh, enough music now so that he feels quite secure with that in case he wanted to do anything oh, with yes. his music. And all of these things, as you well know, you dance, you sing, you do everything. How important it is to have something in your pocket oh, like this. Oh, yes. Oh, I tell my children that. Little Desi plays drums and little Lucy sings and dances and is getting better all the time but i don't encourage them to do it to get into the acting profession i would encourage it whether any of us were in the acting profession or not i just think right. it's marvelous to be that outgoing and that interested in something on the outside i think it's marvelous well i wish your son a lot of success what is your son's full name jack bannon jack bannon mm -hmm. oh, he's do you notice handsome. how clearly i pronounce that yes <laughs> yes you are very happily married to a man named Twomley now. Yeah, I know, with Benedict and Twomley, you know, I tell really. you, you can pick the names, oh. girl, and you also pick very nice men. Tell me, are you happy about the fact that you married someone who is in the business, although Jean is in another end of the business? But do you realize how, uh, at least the way I feel, I feel it'd be very difficult to be married to a doctor or a dentist or someone who wasn't at all related to the business? Well, the rapport is there. There is no question. There's an understanding and the realization of your problems, and I hope I have of his. As you say, a doctor or a lawyer might get to understand. Not really, I don't think don't they could think ever. So? I don't think they could understand the time. Time, You know, yes. how, how, how wives have to understand mm -hmm. their time. They never really understand a doctor's being no. away all the time and office hours and home visits and all that. But I, don't, I think it's very difficult for anyone to understand the time that we have to put in. That's, well, I've had it happen with... Uh, even uh, people who were taking care of my children, they say, what time will you be home? And I'd say, I don't know. And they'd look at me like I had a hole in my head. Yeah, but but it they is look true. at you like you didn't care what time Impossibly. you got home. <laughs> B, B, darling, I hate to interrupt. It's been delightful, and I thank you so much.
You see what happens when we don't get together often enough. We chat ourselves right out of time. Listen, how about tomorrow? Could you drop by tomorrow? Can you make it? Why not? Well, thank you, dear. Wonderful. I have been talking to Miss B. Benedetta. 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 Bye, B. Goodbye, Lucy. Please be with us again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. See you then. Hi, this is Lucy. Again today, my guest is the wonderfully talented Miss B. Benedetta. B, as I am sure most of you know, is starring as Kate Bradley in the TV series Petticoat Junction. Yesterday, we talked about B's son and daughter and about her marriage to Jean Twombly. Tell me, B, have you been happy being a working mother? I wouldn't change my life in any way, Lucy. My and children... I don't mean that as in a smug way. No. I mean, what I have, my family, uh, I wouldn't change in any way. I think the children may have had a few things that caused them a little sorrow because of my not being there always. But on the other hand, I think I have a pretty fair relationship with both of them. I seem to have a better relationship because of my being away, because now when we are together, we certainly make good use of our time, mm -hmm. and we always have done that. We've always known that our time is precious, and uh, That's right. we make plans ahead, and they're yeah. eagerly awaited and carried out with uh, a great deal of satisfaction. Oh, look what a wonderful weekend we had, and then yes. we immediately start planning for something else. Yes. So uh, I asked my children recently if they, would, if they wanted me to stay home. And they said, what for? What would you do, you know? And I said, well, I just feel that you're getting to an age where perhaps I should be around more often. When they're small, they don't notice it so much. But they uh, love the business that I'm in, and they love being a part of it, I guess. And Are they proud of you? They seem to be very yeah. proud. Mine weren't for a while. They were terribly ashamed of me. Really? Yeah. I think most children are ashamed of their parents at some time or other for some silly little reason or other. Mm -hmm. I have many letters from people that are always and forever saying, what do I do when my teenage daughter gets ashamed of the way I look? I've looked like this for years and I don't quite know how to change. <laughs> well, I think blaming the parents for everything that's happened has become so fashionable. Be, you yes, know? become a habit, that's a very right. bad habit. And, and if one gets away with it, they think they all should. And it's ridiculous to be led by a 13, 14, 15-year-old intellect. Don't that never think? happened to me, Lucy. <laughs> never happened to me, either. <laughs> and I think we're better off for it. I do, too. Do you cook when you're home, B? Yeah, I love to cook. Are I, you a I good mean, cook? I Quite good, yeah. Quite good. When do you do it? On weekends or every well, night? Well, uh, weekends mostly, you know, what time you get home. As a rule, when, when we're working, we have broiled meat and a salad and good night. And keep your weight down. Yes, and keep your weight down. On the weekends, you splurge and everybody gains. <laughs> but I, I never forget one line. Maggie, my daughter, said a friend of hers came in one weekend and I'd had, uh, oh, I don't know, I made some kind of an ersatz cake, you know, and she said, Maggie was so proud of it. And she says, you know, she says, Mother doesn't bake very well because she's worked. <laughs> <laughs> this cake was excellent, though. Oh, that's cute. This role that you're doing now, how long do you think you'll keep on doing that? Because I want to know something about your future plans. I'd love to be able to do it as long as I last. Yes, I know <laughs> as that. As long but, as they but want But how long us. have they signed you for? Oh, well, as a rule, I, what are those contracts? You know, Lucy, I'm very poor at this. Well, they all differ. So Seven years, five oh, years? Oh, no, I don't think it's that long. No, anyway, one I'll year, hope not. 13 weeks. I have lots of things <laughs> in mind for you. But I, uh, I have no idea. I guess it's... A, what would you like to do, B? Uh, all right, I know you like what you're doing now, but have you got anything you would like to do someday? Well, of course, I... Uh, this is, again, I suppose, the ham. 
I would love to play a dramatic part sometime. And of course, I know you could. Well, I used to, you know. Yes. But nobody thinks of me for it any longer. But don't you think most people who are in comedy would like to just wet their feet a little more? And... I guess most people except me. I've never had any really? desire to do that. I've done it without yeah. having the desire. I, when I was in pictures, I had to do a little bit of it, very little, because I never enjoyed it. You know what I have always said? It's so much easier than comedy. It's not the challenge. It is easier, yes. Yes, do you agree? Oh, yeah. indeed I do, but I don't want any dramatic actors to hear me. No, <laughs> there are no dramatic Nobody actors listening. listening. These are just dramatic... Uh, ladies and gentlemen all over America that are not in the acting profession. We have had such wonderful response from our radio show. I think that uh, getting a chance to talk to people like yourself and, and getting to know a little bit about their home life, and a little bit about their philosophy of life, and a little bit about how they feel about certain things is, uh, has been apparently something that people would like to listen to. I think so. I don't think they have any idea uh, of how hard... Uh, you work, for instance, or someone like Gracie worked. I don't uh, think that's important that uh, people know how hard we work. I think the important thing is to make it come off without looking like we work hard. That's yeah. the trick. Yeah. I know that they ask these questions and they want to know the yes. answers. I kind of hate to tell them, actually, the hours that we put in because I feel that we put them in so happily that it's not like work. I actually feel guilty when I talk about long hours or anything that was difficult because my work to me is not difficult and I'm sure you feel the same way. Yes, I really I, I have more do. fun at my job than if I went to any party. Yes, I mean I anything that is pale after I have spent a day on the set where everything has been, you know, running smoothly yes. and and fun. Viv and I have much more fun right on the set. You remember you and I did in in, yes. in radio. <laughs> if you had be let me ask you this. If you had one year off one complete year with no responsibilities except to enjoy yourself or be with your family. Mm -hmm. uh, where would you go? What would you do? I'd look for a job. Oh, <laughs> be. It's true. <laughs> Lucy, I'm telling you, do you know that I was off? This is true. When, when Burns and Allen closed, and you know we were on for eight years, and when that show closed, I rested for about two weeks. And then I nearly lost my mind. I'd get up in the morning, I'd go through my house, everything was settled, I knew what my dinner was going to be, and at a quarter of 11, I folded my arms. <laughs> now what do I do? And I mean at 11 a.m. <laughs> well, this is true. Wouldn't you like to travel any place, for instance? Yes, I guess I would, all things being equal, but I'd want to come back to work, I think. Yeah, just a year off, that's all yeah, I'm but asking. a year's awful long, Lucy. <laughs> It is. I know it. It really is. You know who did a marvelous thing recently was Eve Arden. She took all four children to Europe and spent the uh, whole year, year and a half actually, it was more than a year, in three or four different countries so that the children were learning different languages. And Didn't she do a play or something there while she was there? Oh, she did television shows. And I she's, thought so. She and did... she's writing a book. Yeah, but she just didn't sit still for a year, did she? No, I, I don't think any of us really no. sit still. Uh, that's another reason I like my radio show, because I'm going to tape all over the world. Wherever I go, I, I take the, uh, the little machine with me, and I, I talk to all kinds of people. That's great. Really yes, I, I like it for that reason. You're going on a trip? Well, I go on little trips. I'm not mm -hmm. going to Europe at the moment, but next season I probably will. But wherever I go, I'm going to take it. I promise my listeners I, they'll know where I am all the time and with whom I'm, I'm talking, you well, know. it should be tremendously interesting. Yes. Well, it is to me, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting a kick out of it. 
B, we both have a great deal to be thankful to Radio 4. Yes. And today I am especially grateful for the chance it gave me to sit and chat with you. It has been delightful, and I thank you so much. Thank you. I have been talking to Miss B. Benedaret. Benedetta. Bye, B. Goodbye, Lucy. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being with us today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Drive carefully. I'll see you all on Monday. Hi, this is Lucy. Today we are going to talk about a subject that happens to affect all of us in one manner or another, and that is the problem of the school dropout. The dropout problem has long been a source of concern to me, and if you are a parent, you are automatically involved. I can't think of a better time to discuss the subject because this happens to be American Education Week, during which students, teachers, and parents participate in many activities for the purpose of clearer understanding of our mutual problem. And I can't think of a better guest than the gentleman who is here in the studio with me today. His name is Mr. George Smith, and he is the administrative coordinator for the 52 senior high schools in Los Angeles. And one of the problems Mr. Smith has to cope with daily is the dropout situation. How do you do, Mr. Smith, and welcome to our program. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks to you for inviting me. I think that uh, it would be very nice if we'd start out with the basic question. What is a high school dropout? Well, a dropout is usually considered to be a young person who drops out of school before graduation from high school. And unfortunately, there are too many millions of them. Yes, there are. This is a serious problem that's concerned uh, educators for a good many years. It's a serious problem because it indicates a withdrawal, a lack of success on the part of an individual child. He's tried this school situation and has found it wanting in some respect or other. The failure uh, that some of the young people feel that causes them to be a dropout is a bad habit that can go on in the next few years after they have dropped out. I think that's the thing that concerns most of us, the fact that they have their first failure in high school and then they are very liable to get into a habit of failing. Do you feel that, Mr. Smith? I would certainly agree. Now, you and show business have developed a tradition. The show must go on. And this means regardless of personal crisis, regardless of problem, regardless of sometimes health, you carry out your assigned task. Now, if somehow or other we could do this with uh, young people, uh, we would, I think, be taking a real positive step toward the solution of the problem. That's a very good thought. It's a very good thought. We'll have to work on that. Give them something to strive for that is in comparison with our show business tradition. There are many, many goals that I think the young people should have today, uh, and unfortunately, I know thousands of young people that have no goal at all. And I think that's the important thing, to somehow show them the way to have these goals. Well, in order to do that, we have to inspire people. That's and, right. And this is a tough job. But uh, it can be done, and we're can, trying. It can be done, and it has to be done, really. Don't you think it starts at, in the home, Mr. Smith? Well, uh, of course I do. Uh, I'm sure of it. The parents' responsibility which um, parents are taking rather a beating for these days, and I suppose that we brought it upon ourselves. Uh, somehow or other, we lost the reins 
somewhere along the line. And it's surprising how many millions of homes are being run by the whims and fancies of the young teenagers. I think that the parents should realize their responsibilities immediately and take over with a very firm hand. And I think that you'll find millions of teenagers that are going to be very, very grateful for that. But so many of the parents nowadays don't really know how to start to take over responsibility again. They, they, want, they want to be shown how to do it. They've lost the art. Now, have you any basic, everyday, how to live with rules for this? Well... What can a parent do? Well, I have uh, half a dozen things I think they should do. Uh, first, I think sh they should demonstrate a serious interest in their individual children. Uh, Academic, you mean, or just interest? General, in every aspect of this youngster's life, in his companionship with other people, where he or she spends their time, what they do with their spare time, uh, do they stick to a task, back to this, uh, the show must go on attitude, where you don't quit because uh, the task is a little difficult or because it doesn't uh, particularly appeal to you. I think uh, this is probably the first and most important step, uh, the demonstration of an interest and a knowledge of what's going on uh, around that uh, particular young person. That's very, very true. Then I think uh, the parent should know the uh, strengths and weaknesses of their youngster. Uh, In other words, know their youngster. Absolutely. They're, they're not all uh, perfect, even though uh, some of the parents would have you believe that. And, uh, of course, I'm a grandpa myself, so I can speak of this. I had uh, my second grandchild yesterday. Well, grandchildren are always more perfect than the children. Yeah, and I probably shall spoil them, too. <laughs> well, of course, I think that children need a lot more spoiling in the world today. But in another way. <laughs> I mean spoiled with love and not just... I'm glad too you mentioned much, uh, that. Too much uh, freedom. In terms of this, you're absolutely right, and this is one of the points I wanted to make, that I think every child has to have love and, and discipline and security. I think that these are the, the trinity that parents have to give their children, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, in regards to school progress, I think that parents have an obligation to communicate with the school regarding uh, the progress, whether uh, good or bad the youngster's making. The teacher is always willing to discuss with the parent. In fact, it's uh, exciting and it's wonderful to have a parent want information and want to know about this particular child. And the teacher then feels that they have a cooperation of a parent. It's a combined effort rather than the parent working singly or the teacher working uh, alone. The teacher's side of the story very seldom gets home to the parent. We hear what our kids say about the teacher, but we so seldom have a chance to hear what the teacher has to say about our children. You know, uh, we would miss the point entirely if we felt that all teenagers or all young people were dropping out or were problems of various kinds. Uh, They're not. Absolutely not. That's and right. uh, actually, uh, the civilization which has developed now uh, for them is a lot more difficult one than you and I grew up in. Uh, you, of course, lots later than I, but... Uh, well, I'll debate that with you later. <laughs> this problem of, oh, uh, pep pills and marijuana and oh, that kind of thing. In my day in, in school, and I went to the schools in Los Angeles here, uh, was no problem because there just wasn't anything like that. That's right. uh, cars were no problem for us in my day. Uh, 
and radio, TV, uh, records, this kind of thing, which takes attention away from uh, the reading, writing, and arithmetic uh, aspects of it. Uh, but on the other hand, these youngsters are able to do things. Actually, they're better trained and better educated than uh, certainly uh, my generation was. Uh, well, yes, they're more widely and, educated, uh, but is it good is another thing, but we still have to face it. Well, this is one of our serious problems. We have to uh, take care of the needs of everyone. This includes the gifted, the, the brainy ones, as well as the ones who are not doing well in school and who are interested in, in quitting and in dropping out. And this is a, a serious problem to reach the uh, extremes to be found in a, in a school population of 251,000, you see. They're From all, the smallest uh, community to the large, it is a very... Mr. Smith, we have an awful lot of things I want to talk to you about. We're nowhere near through. Would you please come back tomorrow? Yes, I'll be here. All right. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. I have been talking with Mr. George Smith, Administrative Coordinator for the senior high schools in Los Angeles. And he's going to be my guest again tomorrow because there's a very large area we want to cover here. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Lucy. And again today, we are talking about a subject that happens to affect all of us in one manner or another, and that is the problem of the school dropout. And my guest today, again today, is a gentleman who is the administrative coordinator for the senior high schools in Los Angeles. Mr. George Smith. Mr. Smith, we covered a lot of wonderful territory yesterday and things that I am very, very uh, happy to have a chance to talk with you about. You are an authority on the school dropout problem, and we know many, many, many communities that would love to do something about it, so we're still listening attentively. We have talked about the parents' responsibility, the school's responsibility, and what can be done in certain areas. What can parents, Mr. Smith, what can parents do to help youngsters stay in school? Let's go back over that now, just briefly. We know that it should start early to keep up their interest in their work, of course. But at the age where they start to wander a little bit, their outside interests get so varied that it's staggering. Is there any, any one thing that you can tell us to do to keep up their interest? Well, if I could make a blanket pronouncement, this would be wonderful, but this isn't true. It's an individual matter with each individual child, and the reasons for his quitting or making up his mind to quit, sometimes certain of these beginnings uh, start in as early as the third or fourth grade, you know, with retardation in reading and inability to read and understand the work. And it would seem to me that if parents really knew their children and were alert to uh, their progress that they were making, that this would be the key to uh, much of it. We wouldn't let this first little uh, uh, failure. failure start. Now, of course, uh, attendance is a very serious problem. I mean, this is one of the indicators that things are not well. Uh, kids attendance? Attendance, not coming to school regularly. Being and, too lenient uh, at home uh, about allowing days uh, out of school. And Being sometimes, too lenient. Uh, sometimes <clears throat> actually encouraging the youngster to uh, maybe by not being 100% uh, truthful in the reasons for the absence, uh, uh, this uh, makes a, a mark sometimes, mm -hmm. and parents often make this mistake. The little white lies. The little white lies, and I think this is very important. I don't think that uh, parents are obligated to give their children a, a secure future 
but certainly they're obligated to give them a secure foundation on which to build a future. And this starts early. It, this isn't a 16 or 17 year old, this is way down. That's for sure. Uh, in the early years. But we talked so much about what the parents' responsibility was, and let's go back to the school one a little bit. Right. Uh, I think we have a job and a responsibility to recognize children as individuals and to take a personal interest in them. I, I think this is our responsibility. I think we need to provide programs of instructions that are instruction that's suited to the youngster's individual needs. If he doesn't know how to read, then I think it's our job to get him in a remedial reading class or a class which will uh, help him. Do all schools uh, do that or few Well, schools? all modern schools do. We understood years ago that reading is becoming more and more a problem mm -hmm. and uh, we've set up classes to take care of, of weaknesses in this area. Then mm -hmm. I think we have a responsibility of informing parents as to uh, progress the youngsters making. I think we need to be in contact with a parent and say that Johnny or Mary has exhibited this or that, uh, and this should be either pro or con. We should remember to uh, uh, praise occasionally when it's merited rather than everything negative come over to school, uh, mother or dad, because we have a problem. Indeed. And I think this is important. It's very important. I think the little everyday successes that a child has should be recorded and talked about. That spurs them on. Then I think we have to provide uh, supplemental uh, educational services, oh, counseling and guidance and health services as needed, activity programs, sports and dances and that kind of thing. That's all part of a modern high school. Sure. Norman Cousins said it best, I think, when he said the best teacher is not necessarily the one who possesses the most knowledge, but the one who most effectively enables his students to believe in their ability to learn. That's pretty good. Quote, I think. Very good. May I hear it again? The best teacher is not necessarily the one who possesses the most knowledge, but the one who most effectively enables his students to believe in their ability to learn. It's wonderful. That was said by Norman Cousins. Now, I think, too, the schools have to assume a, a role of support to parents and Legally, this is called uh, acting in loco parentis and while they're at school. And I think uh, in this definition, if you follow it out, this, these are decisions and acts that a reasonable, prudent, and wise parent takes in the education of his child. And this is the responsibility of the school, I think. Uh, while at school, we have to make wise and prudent decisions in, in the case of this youngster. And we often tell our new and beginning teachers that if they would make decisions and treat each youngster as if he were their very own, uh, this would be uh, the way it should be done. And if they don't have any youngsters, they would, if they would follow the example of the teacher that they knew best who had the best effect on them through their youth, you see. So it's a co and a shared responsibility and it's not easy this day and age. The youngsters are idealistic and I think we suffered, uh, as far as the youth are concerned, a, a terrible tragedy with the assassination of President Kennedy. I agree, sir. Because he uh, seemed to be able to capture and inspire young people. As he was inspired. That's right, and we really feel this. Uh, I think we have covered very nicely the role that the parent and the teacher can play. I just like to keep sort of hitting at the, the responsibility of the parent and the teacher to point out 
that they are appreciated young people and that there is a need for them. And I've noticed such a change in young people who have been given responsibility, the most irresponsible young people. The minute they were given real responsibility, something where they knew they were getting a job done for someone who needed it done, everyone is striving for how to, to show the young people that it's each day is just as exciting as it always was. We're all trying, but... Uh, we still have to keep knocking at it and, and put it into everyday language so that it can start in the home. The, I'm sure that the floundering parents, and there are so many of them, we get thousands of letters about what do we do? We want to do it. How do we start? Well, now, we've certainly answered some of those questions in the last two days, but I just think we have to keep reminding ourselves that we must take a strong, firm hand, and we must open those books and open those minds and prove to them that there are lots of wonderful things to do and lots and lots of people that want to help them do it. Do you agree? Absolutely. You've been it's, a wonderful guest, Mr. Smith. I want to thank you very, very much. I think that these informal discussions are beneficial for everyone, and I know that you certainly have given me a clearer understanding of the problem, especially concerning the school dropout. I want to thank you very, very much. You're certainly entirely welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I hope you can be with us again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We'll have another wonderful guest for you. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.